We are back. We are back, and we're on the regular uh, <laughs> recording session once again for episode 116 of the SoCo Show. This is the co-host Cody Michael. I'm joined as always by the SoHo Seth. Ott. Yeah, in the words of Bane, what a lovely singing voice. <laughs> oh, well, thank you very much. <laughs> uh, we took a, a, a part part of a week off uh, and put out the sketches last week, and we are back Who in is- the studios again for a more traditional edition of the SoCo show. Um, yeah, we, we finally finally got the sketches out. Uh, so far, Seth, reviews include um, Filthy uh, was one of them. What the hell is this? And those are skits, not sketches. Are, are the Those are the things that I heard. I don't know what the difference between a skit and a sketch is. <laughs> Makes sense. Uh, that tracks. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Which I, you know, we knew we were gonna well, get. Well, um, but um, we're certainly thankful to the folks out there who who took a listen to uh, the Soko Sketch Show, and uh, yeah, we had fun putting that together. So it was good to finally get it out. I know it took. Yeah, a while. I uh, weirdly enough, I had a girlfriend um, right before the sketches came out, and since no longer have a girlfriend. So um, your your girlfriend is at least more considerate in in her review. Uh, mine just left me. Oh man. That's a bummer, yeah. dude. So, but you, you did it for comedy. I did, and that's I did. That's a, that's noble. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I I was I was happy for a little while, but you know that the true inspiration <laughs> of, of comedy comes from pain. So, uh, no wonder I'm so funny. That's right. <laughs> that's right. You got to go through the pain. Give me what I want. <laughs> so, <laughs> so again, we're we're back with normal shows. Uh, now and we got a lot of stuff uh, that we're going to talk about today. We missed a couple things while we were gone. Uh, we finished some shows. We watched some movies. Uh, all kinds of great shit. And we got some fun stuff to look forward to. Uh, it's going to inspire some of our our, uh, our chatter today as well. So uh, we're 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 going to get into the show right now, uh, and we're going to start like we always do with chic tweets. I call you a punk. And Seth, Chic Tweets this week, uh, brought to you by a very special new uh, supporter of the show. Uh, we want to give a big, big, huge shout out to Mike Vandenhall. Uh, he, he's our good friend and, and loyal listener of the show, and he has agreed to become a supporter of the podcast. Uh, so he, he's going to be uh, regularly contributing to the show uh, via the anchor.fm site. So uh, big, big shouts out to Mike, uh, huge supporter of the show, also a sponsor of the show now. And uh, Mike, we, we appreciate you, man. Thanks for listening and thanks for supporting. And uh, for the other folks out there who might want to become a supporter as well, uh, find our page, anchor.fm slash the-soco-show if you'd like to be a contributor as well. You can find a, a button right on top of our site. So uh, again, thanks to Mike and, and to all of our listeners and, and future uh, potential supporters out there. Thanks. And uh, if you do support us, uh, after enough money, we'll be able to take the dashes out of our URL and just be the SoCo Show. <laughs> so if you want to make it easier to find us, give us money. It's incredibly expensive to get dashes <laughs> removed, so we'll need a lot of you guys. But uh, that's a good goal for us to work for. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, now the uh, the uh, chic the Iron Chic segment brought to you by Mike and Mike's Wood uh, Iron Chic. 
uh, has a little history lesson for us this week. Uh, he says, as they say in French, go fuck yourself. So, Iron Sheik teaching a little bit of a new language here. Did you say history lesson? Did I say history? <laughs> fuck. <laughs> oh, it's so much better this way. You know what, Cody? <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna teach a little French to you. Go fuck yourself. All right. Oh, okay. There we go. There we go. That's a good I did, one. that was all planned. <laughs> as you heard in, in the sketches last week, as you heard in the sketches last week, my acting ability is top notch. So I planned that from the beginning. Really an incredible actor. Yeah. Uh, a lot of the comments that I've been getting are about how great the voice acting is in the sketches, uh-huh. and uh, you led the way. You might you might even get nominated for a sketchy uh, <laughs> later this year, which. I know you've never been nominated for before, but everyone's been saying that you you're sketchy like for years now. So it'll be good to finally get some gold on you. You know, I, I've been I've been waiting for this for this award. I've been waiting I've been waiting for my sketchiness to be, uh, you know, proven with a you know piece of metal or maybe just a you know certificate. So I'm excited for this. <laughs> well, there you go. Uh, Seth is sketchy, and Sheik says, "Go fuck yourself." I call you a punk. And I already know I'm gonna I'm gonna struggle this week. I, I'm 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 getting over some illness. You're plugged. And I am I am nasally. You're, I don't know if you can hear a little bit, but uh, I, I can. So I'll, I'll fight through uh, because that's how much I care for our listeners uh, and for our sponsors, Seth. Uh, first of all, AudibleTrial.com/soco. Hit the link in the description box. You're gonna get 30 days of Audible and your first book for free. free. I uh, I know that I'm about to go pick up on Audible. Dr. Sleep, which is the sequel to The Shining and has a film adaptation coming out in November. Uh, I decided I wanted to, to get through that before the movie comes out because I, um, I read The Shining as well. So uh, that's what I'll be checking out on uh, Audible Trial. Uh, so if, if you guys uh, want to check out Dr. Sleep or any other book, uh, you can do so for free by hitting our link. So check I it out. really thought um, Dr. Sleep was the, uh, the, the, Bill, the Bill Cosby memoirs. <laughs> Oh Jesus! Uh, that's that's it. Oh, that's nasty. I don't like that one. Um, <laughs> how do you follow that? Up? Um, like this, Mathis Designs. You can find our good friend Steph Mathis on Etsy.com/shop/MathisDesigns for all your stationery and graphic design needs. Paid. Indeed, and we mentioned him before. He's a supporter. He's also a sponsor. Mike's Wood can be found on etsy.com slash shop slash cornfed and wed if you want to get that wood worked. You know, now that now that he's a paying sponsor, I'm going to give him a nice class, a nice classy uh, little tie-in here, a little little bumper at the end. Uh, ooh, that was a nice yeah. one. I, th- I thought you were going to go with this. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Thank you uh, to all of our sponsors. We do have one more. Uh, let's kick it over to, to this week's uh, sponsored ad here. Well, thanks, Co. Another brilliantly read ad for sure. Um, we roll on, guys. We got a lot of stuff to talk about here, um, and and we don't have time to to fully go into it all. But we're gonna start with some quick hits from the last couple weeks. All right, quick hits. We are gonna start in TV. Um, this this uh, this first bit of news uh, in West Philadelphia, born and raised, Will Smith is developing a Fresh Prince spinoff. Ooh, I'll watch it. Uh, Lauren Cohan will be returning to The Walking Dead. She plays Maggie uh, in season 11 and in a little bit in season 10. 
Unfortunately, Whiskey Cavalier uh, could not get its viewers drunk after this last season. <laughs> Bummer, but not a surprise. Glad she can go back to uh, Walking Dead. And the uh, the end of the fucking hiatus is here as the end of the fucking world gets a season two in November. <laughs> I did not like that show. Interested to see what they do in season two. And then finally in TV, the marvelous Mrs. Maisel has her tits up with a new trailer in <laughs> for season two on Amazon. <laughs> oh, my God. If the tits are in it, I'm clicking it. Uh, tits. That sounded so gross. Let me do another one. No. Sounds like a good trailer, Seth. You're keeping that in. Tits up, by the way, is not me being gross. That's from the show. So if you've seen the show, then you understand that. And now in movies... Uh, it's a mystery to us, but Murder Mystery is getting a sequel on Netflix. Murder Mystery? The Adam Sandler yeah. one? Oh, jeez. Uh, we're not even supposed to be here today. Clerks 3 gets a uh, is in development with Kevin Smith. I don't know what studio. I'm actually stoked for this. I'm sure you are, too. Da-da-da-da, uh, Inspector Gadget gets a live-action movie at Disney. The world wonders, though, will they have more awesome toys at McDonald's? And finally, in movie news, Zoe Kravitz is cast as Catwoman in the upcoming Batman uh, trilogy with Matt Reeves. Uh, this comes amongst speculation that uh, we don't really know where she was born, but her father, uh, Lenny, does say she's an American woman. Oh, my gosh. And that. That's a great casting. I'm stoked for it. And that is the quick hits. People are loving the quick hits, man. Uh, that's a good news segment. Uh, we're going to link to some of those stories and more in the description box for this episode. So uh, go down there, check out the description, and uh, you can find all the topics that we talked about in this week's episode. For now, though, we turn to the world of television, and we've got some shit to review, guys. It's the TV Corner. Television! Down on the corner. Nobody puts baby in the corner. This might be the grossest week that we've ever had <laughs> between the, the Bill Cosby comment and the, the tits thing. <laughs> oh, yeah, it's been a while since we've been, you know, sexually abhorrent. Um, so it's good to get back to our roots. You yeah. Know? Just so you know, we're not, <laughs> we're not gross. I mean, we are, but we're not gross. And, you know, the, the Bill Cosby thing, you know, that sucks, but it's still funny to joke about. <laughs> Well, I, I, I don't, we're just men, yeah. Seth. We're just men. Sure. Like, I know that when you see, uh, you know, when you see Marvelous Mrs. Maisel and she's talking about putting her tits up, then in your head, you're just going, give me what I want. <laughs> and that's okay. She's <laughs> got a nose full of vodka. That's great. I don't even know what to say about nose full of vodka, though, probably just became our uh, show title for this week. So thanks for that one. Oh, that's good. Uh, I mean, <laughs> happens to me a lot. So <laughs> did, uh, did I already say we're in the TV corner? Yeah, we did. I think we did the. Uh, yeah, you did. Oh, you did. Yeah, we did. did. You the sounder. We did. All right. All right. Here we are, folks. <laughs> Top form. We've only done this 115 <laughs> times before. <laughs> well, I mean, one was the solo show, which I mean, admittedly, was the better run episode. Um, and then last week was the sketch show. So we have a couple in there where you know we weren't running perfectly to this standard. That's fair. But maybe within the next two episodes, we'll learn how to do this shit correctly. Exactly. Uh, the TV corner. This is where we review television shows, uh, famously Seth's TV corner. And we're going to start Seth with a couple shows that you've been watching on HBO, which just wrapped up its summer season. They sure did. Um, happy about that because, uh, my, my TV time list is ever growing. Um, but I, I do actually enjoy these shows quite a bit, one more than the other, but the other one was good too. The first I'll start with is Ballers. Uh, this was the final season of Ballers. Um, 
of course, I've talked about it many times now, having probably watched it since the beginning of the show, but The Rock uh, is Spencer Strassmore. He's a big-time businessman of all to the NFL, former player. This season, he is now, and he positioned, toward, positioned towards the end of last season, and then th- this season, he kind of takes over. He becomes the owner uh, and GM of the Chiefs, so uh, definitely had had some conversations with Dan about this. I believe that he watched the show and he's a big Chiefs fan. But uh, Spencer Strassmore takes over takes over the Chiefs. Um, <laughs> I can never remember the guy's name uh, who plays Lou in Hot Tub Time Machine. <laughs> Rob <laughs> Rob Cordry. Um, he's friends with uh, he in the past seasons. He's been business partners with with The Rock, but uh, they had a falling out at the end of last season, and they continue to have a falling out here. Um, Rob Cordry is, is with Russell Brand this season. They have this sports X thing and they're expanding, uh, going into like, uh, different, different ventures like agency and ver- uh, esports. Esports takes a big, there's a big, uh, esports storyline in this season as well. And, uh, so really it's, it's kind of broken up between that. It's broken up between like the esports thing, the rock, uh, dealing with being an owner, uh, in the NFL and Rob Cordry being, um, kind of running this management company on his own. I will say this season, I did like it a lot, uh, a lot more than the last few seasons. And I think because they dove into um, a lot of different things here, like it, it was less about really less about business and more like the thing that inter- interested me the most was like the NFL owner side. So I guess it is business, but not like the past seasons have been like agency stuff and like um, just like them going into weird different like the sports X thing last year. Uh, they really focused on the NFL and the agent, the the, uh, the ownership and and the players. Uh, the the big through line here was uh, Spencer is trying to get more rights for players and veterans and get them health care. Basically, I think the rule he is proposing is that uh, any player who's played three years in the NFL is considered a veteran and they get lifetime health care. And I know that's a lot of that stuff is like current with what's going on in the NFL now with like the collective bargaining and all that stuff, trying to you know get work more for the players and all that. And so uh, we have to see that it was basically Spencer versus the guy who being Jerry Jones. Uh, he's the owner of the Cowboys in the show. If you saw, I think it might even be uh, Shooter McGavin from, from Happy Gilmore might play him. Oh shit. I love that. Um, but he's very Jerry Jones-esque, very like cutthroat. And, and he's been an ally to Spencer in past seasons. And this one, he's, you know, he, he's kind of like the head of the owners, like a lot like Jerry Jones is in, in the NFL. So, um, that was, that was a really interesting storyline. I was, I was pretty hooked into that. I thought it was cool. Um, I did like the esports thing. That was an interesting, different thing. They had a player um, who has been a, a focus of the, of the of the the show for a long time. Uh, he wants to transition into esports uh, as opposed to the NFL because you know your body and all that stuff. And so um, we got to see that. We got to see kind of like rising up and building a team in esports and how serious that that as that is now. How expensive that is and all that stuff. That was pretty cool to see. Um, we also got to see, I met, I forgot to mention too, Charles, uh, he was a former player in the show. He's, be, he's been the GM of the Rams. We've seen him, uh, in this season kind of take on his role more. Um, he's been successful because they kind of track along the same storylines in the NFL. So like, for example, part of Spencer, uh, is, is uh, the rock is he's trying to re-sign Pat Mahomes and, or, or sign Pat Mahomes to an extension and like how expensive that is. And then also like in this, uh, Charles is the GM of the Rams. They went to the Super Bowl last season and that's kind of a, a, a through line here too. And now pressures on him more and, and trying to actually win the Super Bowl and sign different players and all that stuff. And then, uh, uh, John David Washington has a has a decently sized role this season. You can kind of tell it's scaled back a bit just because he's doing more movies and stuff. But 
Um, he's no longer in the NFL. He's he's kind of had some issues with like um, taking like growth hormone and stuff like that. And so he's done with the NFL. Now he's transitioning out of the NFL and he takes on like a sports talk ro- uh, radio role, that type of thing. So uh, a lot of different areas here that I really liked this season. Um, I was entertained throughout. And I know in the past couple seasons of Ballers, I've been hit or miss. But this one had me going uh, interested throughout the whole thing. So um, I was uh, very happy with this season. Uh, I, You know, th- this isn't like, again, I you know, kind of talked about the shows. This isn't the season to like bring you in. If, if, you, if you've been on the ride the whole time, I think you'll be very happy with this season. Uh, I wouldn't say watch this season just because of the show or anything like that. So um, I'm going to give the season a Ballers. Um, let's see. Uh, 3.5 rock bottoms out of five. Ooh, there you go. That would be enough, I think, for you to win a heavyweight championship if you had three and a half rock bottoms. Uh, this was the series finale, am I yes, right? Yes, that's correct. For Ballers? Yep. So on the whole, uh, I know you've been you've been with Ballers from the beginning, um, and I know you talked about a little bit meandering, a little up and down mm-hmm. with, with several uh, different seasons. So where, where do you stand now that you have the whole scope of things on, on Ballers as a series entirely? Yeah, I mean, it definitely had its ups and downs, but I was pretty entertained through most of it. I really liked the characters. They did a good job from the beginning of really putting life into all these characters and making it feel like the NFL without having all the NFL players. Now, they did have a ton of NFL players in this. Just in this season, they had Alvin Kamara and, and, and Odell Beckham. They never got Pat Mahomes on it or anything, but, um, you know, they had... And, and there's a thing at the end where they had a bunch of players, uh, too, so that was pretty cool. Um, so it was it was nice. It was a, it, a nice, like, kind of ramp up into football when it would start every summer. And, you know, it kind of got me excited again. So um, definitely, like, I would probably give it a, a 3.5 overall. That's probably a fair rating for that show, I think. Um, and, and the last season really kind of finish strong for it. So uh, if you're a fan of football, you know, it's definitely worth checking out, I think. Well, there you go. Ballers is is over after its latest season, The Rock Stars, and it gets three and a half of his signature rock bottoms this week in the corner. We turn now to another HBO show. This one has been getting a lot of critical attention this summer, and uh, I know from our prior conversations that you agree with a lot of it. Uh, so tell us about this other one. Hell yes. Uh, this one is The Righteous Gemstones. Now, this is a show that for me, uh, I had a lot of hesitation going in. I have, there. there's uh, two actors, uh, Adam Devine and Danny, Danny McBride. I'm not fans of these guys. I'm probably more of a fan of Danny McBride than I am Adam Devine. For me, Adam Devine is in past things. I've maybe liked him in one or two, like Mike and Dave need wedding dates. But otherwise, his, like, his whole shtick for me is just very annoying. Um, what I've kind of realized, I think too, through watching these is that that annoyance is really when he's a focus, when he's a focus Mm -hmm. of a show. And like, I know that Jexy movie came out that no one liked, um, when he's the focus or the lead, it's, he, he just is, is just too much. And I think what they did with him in this show was perfect. Um, but in terms of the show, the righteous gemstones, uh, stars, like I mentioned, Danny McBride, Adam Devine, John Goodman, uh, (laughs) my personal favorite, uh, Walton Goggins, um, it really creates Skylar Gisondo, who, you know, I've, I've talked about many times. Um, he, he's in the show as well. Just a really interesting, well put together cast. I thought the casting on this show was absolutely perfect. What the show is, though, basically John Goodman, um, he is uh, Eli Gemstone. He is the head of uh, the Gemstone family. They're basically like the Olsteins here in, the, in this fictional world. They're they're. Um, I know Joel Olstein is like this big, um, you know, religious guy who, who puts on like stadium um, 
sermons and things like that. So like he makes a, a ton of money. That's what these guys are. They're 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 that. They're like the world renowned name for uh, for uh, Christians, and and they're they are just raking in the money. You know, they have all these non they're they're basically nonprofit. So that not, they don't get taxed. They just everything they get is for them. They get wheelbarrows full of money uh, every Sunday. So they're they're all well off. They have like an amusement park on their compound. Like that's how big they are, and. Uh, so John John Goodman's the head. He's um, I think over just a couple years prior to this, like he's been um, he he his wife died, Amy Lee. Uh, she died, um, and he kind of really really took over and focused on like money and and really making this into a business. Danny McBride is uh, Jesse Gemstone. Adam Devine is Kelvin Gemstone, and then this this actress uh, Edie Patterson. You've probably seen her in a bunch of stuff. Uh, she's she is one of my other favorites in the show, Judy Gemstone. So that that's the main Gemstone family. They all kind of have their own role. Uh, Jesse's kind of like the Danny McBride. He's kind of like the the guy who's taken over. Like he's the oldest of the of the 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 children, and he's gonna basically be in line to take over. Uh, Adam Devine, Kelvin. He's he's kind of looked at as the idiot because he kind of plays that idiot type character. Um, he t- he's basically with the kids and stuff like that. He he's kind of doing the younger stuff, and then Judy, um, she uh, really she she kind of wants to get out of the family. She's definitely like she's unstable. She's very like um, she she's kind of quick to say anything that comes out of her head. Very vulgar. I mean, she talks about weird sex stuff all the time and like just always throwing curses around and all kinds of stuff. Uh, she is crazy and wild, and I love it. Um, but uh, <laughs> The, the main focus of the show here is that um, Skylar Gisondo, uh, I, I, I don't really want to say anything at this point because I don't want to, I don't want to spoil it. But basically the family of the family here is, is um, blackmailed, um, mostly through Jesse, Danny McBride's character is blackmailed. And there's outside sources, outside forces trying to get money from them through, through the blackmail. Um, also, there is Walton Goggins, who plays Uncle Baby Billy, who is, that's my favorite name ever. And he's also, he's um, the brother of John Goodman's wife, Amy Lee. Um, and ever since she's passed away, he's been kind of pushed out. And so he's trying every which way he can to get back into the family. And he's very, he plays off nice, but he's very like, again, kind of vulgar and like hates, hates Eli and just wants to do anything he can do to get power and money back and and that type of thing. So there's that conflict there. There's the the there's also the uh, um, the blackmail and stuff like that. But it's just the the show has a, it's very it's got a lot of twists and turns to it up front. Once you get past that, it's very like it's like a family comedy drama. I mean, very wild and out there comedy, um, especially through like um, through Judy. Uh, she she is crazy. Um, even Danny McBride's character at times ha- has some weird, crazy humor. Um, the, the funny stuff with Judy is that she has like this, this husband or this boyfriend that is outside of religion and she just always, always wants to do like wild sex stuff with him. And she basically treats him like a, she treats him like a, almost like a, like a, like a, not, not really like slave, but like a, like an, almost like an animal. She's just always just wanting to go at him. <laughs> and he's just like very, he's very like willing to do it but he's also like he's also like he's always trying to get her to stop but he's just like uh, you know like almost submissive in a way i guess is kind of it like he's he's always kind of put up a fight but at the same time he's not that's a really funny weird interesting uh storyline throughout it um the show as a whole though i mean like i said there's there's 
lot of interesting twists and turns. There's a lot of really funny, weird dynamics. Walton Goggins uh, completely encapsulate that encapsulates that role. Uh, it's my favorite thing I've ever seen him in. Um, he's not great in a lot of stuff, I guess, but that he is amazing as Uncle Baby Billy. Um, I don't know, like this. This is not a show that I should love, but for whatever reason, I do. Like it has so many things against it, but it, for me, it, it worked on every level. I actually, I mean, I love seeing the the inside workings of kind of like what that would be. It, it, you know, the whole, um, you know, like basically corporation of religion in a way. That's really interesting because I think they go into it in a joking way, but also in a serious way. Like, hey, that you know, some of this stuff happens, but at the same time, this is you know amplified to 11 for for a weird comedy um and again it does take some serious uh beats as well so it is kind of a dramedy in a way but i i don't want to say too much because there is some stuff that you know you want to experience as you're watching it but it really is once you get into it this is a show i'd say like give two episodes once you've seen two episodes you can really decide if this is for you or not um for me i, I was completely hooked after two and and there's very few shows for me that i look forward to like really like as soon as it comes out i want to watch it um, and, and the new episodes. And this was, this was one for me. I, I absolutely loved every second of the show. Um, made me laugh constantly. Um, yeah, I, I can't, I can't say enough good things about the show, at least for me. Um, so I'm, I'm going to say, uh, 4.7 uncle baby Billy's out of five for this one. <laughs> That's, um, and uh, I'll, I'll link to this in the description. Uh, but uncle baby Billy, I know, uh, has one of your favorite contributions to the show. <laughs> Um, in the form of a song that you shared with me <laughs> and, uh, I, I want to share it with the, with the group. So, um, I'll, I'll link to the, uh, misbehaving song in, uh, in the description box. And you know what? Uh, let, let's do this. We'll play a little, Hell yeah. play a little sample of it here. Uh, give me just a sec. Okay. Here's a sample from misbehaving by Walton Goggins, uncle baby Billy. Daddy said don't, but I said I'm gonna misbehaving. I'm on a windowsill swimming in the creek. Catching crawdads and playing with a stick. I wore lipstick. And I got caught shaving. Just two little country, country kids outside misbehaving. <laughs> My favorite line. God damn it, that's catchy. <laughs> my favorite line in that is Walton Goggins goes, running through the house with a pickle in my mouth. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, if you want to know what the fuck that song oh, is about uh, and about Walton Goggins, Uncle Baby Billy, and the rest of the crew, The Righteous Gemstones, uh, it's getting, not only is Seth uh, a big fan of it, the the wider critical audience is as well. Um, it's got a 79 on Rotten Tomatoes, and um, a lot of folks out there just anecdotally have been saying that that it's really good. So check it out on HBO if you can. It gets 4.7 Uncle Baby Billy's. Out of five, great score. Yeah, I think I think honestly, like this, and I know it's getting a season two, so I'm very excited about that. Um, very short, half hour, except for the last episode's fifty. So I know that's half hour comedy. That's that's down your uh, down your alley. That's what's up. And uh, I, I think the first episode might be longer too. Yeah, I mean, some are like but other than that, thirty minutes. Some are like thirty four. Some are like twenty eight. You know, it's like that type of thing. I, I think it'll be a fucking shame if Walton Goggins and um, Edie Patterson don't get nominated for for some sort of uh, awards coming, uh, you know, next year. Um, they, they, <laughs> what they do in the show is just absolutely insane. And I love every second. So uh, I cannot wait. The next season cannot come fast enough. I, I love the show so much. <laughs> oh, well, ballers and the righteous gemstones, both on HBO. I watched a show. 
I've actually got a contribution to the TV corner as well. Uh, mine come from comes from Netflix, and it's Dear White People Season 3. Uh, it took me a while to get to this one. I think it came out back in August, but uh, was finally able to complete that uh, third season. And kind of like what you said for, excuse me, for um, for Ballers at the top there, um, a, a season three is not the one I would say, oh my God, you have to watch this show because of season three. Um, but if it's a show that you've been watching and if you've seen the first couple seasons, uh, I, I definitely think it's worth continuing through. Um, Dear White People, for those who don't know, is set at a Ivy League college, uh, a fictional Ivy League college, and it centers around a, a variety of black students and their goings on and, and how they interact, specifically with, with uh, items of race uh, and just other sort of topical uh, items on a week-to-week basis. And so um, it, it's really interesting. It's really stylized in a way that's cool. Um, the The way that it's shot is very unique, and, and the way that the characters talk, uh, the way that it's written is very cool. And there is uh, a lot of kind of interweaving stories. So there are a couple main characters, but you, you get to follow around a lot of different folks and they cover just this huge spectrum of uh, different types of black folks. There, there's characters who are from Africa and you know there are conversations between them and, and their American uh, counterparts and how being different types of black is different. There's light-skinned folks and dark-skinned folks. There's people of a lot of different sexual orientations that gets explored a lot. Uh, in season three and then there's there's some white characters as well and and they've got different things going on so it's just a really interesting show to see a really wide swath of different types of people uh, which is really cool and it leads to kind of my favorite part of the show which is just the various like conversations and debates that the characters in this have Um, I spoke back when I reviewed season two uh, about an uh, episode uh, that was essentially shot like a stage play and featured this really long, really well done single shot uh, debate between two people. And uh, it's it's more things like that in the, in the third season that I really enjoyed. Um, there are, There's like humorous things, like there's a debate about whether or not Kanye West needs to be canceled. Uh, and then there's other serious things like whether or not uh, someone who has a... Uh, there's a sexual assault allegation that goes out and they talk about who to believe and, and they do a good job to show people on both sides of each argument fairly. Um, even, and a lot of the criticism for the show and the movie when it came out was that it was going to be anti-white people. And it's really not, uh, the, the white folks in this are, are portrayed really fairly and are given agency and, and legitimate points and things like that. So it's not like a, let's all hate on white people thing. Uh, like some people think that it is, but it's just a really well thought out, well written show um, that just gets you to think about a lot of different societal things um, that that we're kind of going through as a whole. There is a through line of this show that deals in like secret societies. There's some sort of Illuminati type group kind of looming over the show as a whole, and they explore that a little bit in season three. Um, but frankly, it's not a part of the show that I like, and, and it's, it's easy enough to kind of ignore it and just watch on a scene by scene basis. Um, but that's kind of the one big connecting thread, uh, through everything. Um, the, the other thing I would say I didn't like as much in this season was they get, um, really specifically referential to the fact that they're a Netflix show like a few times in this season. 
and uh, it just seems a little heavy handed and kind of annoying to me. But other than that, um, you know, it, it's just a, a nice thinker of a show. Uh, it's got really good music. It's shot well and really well acted by a big ensemble cast. So um, I don't really score shows, but I, I will just say that I, I really enjoyed Dear White People season three. Uh, if you if you've watched the show, uh, go ahead and continue. And I, I would highly recommend the show as a whole to, to just about anybody. Yeah, this is I mean, this is one that it continues. It must do well because it, it has a season four coming. So um, mm-hmm. is that uh, is that something you're excited for is a season four? Do you think that'll lend itself well to to uh, another season? Yeah, I think so. Depending on the timing, um, some of the characters are, are nearing graduation. So I could see a season four or season five being kind of the end of the show, which I think would be fine. Uh, but frankly, the, the format of the show is such that, you know, you could put out as many episodes as you wanted to. As long as shit st- still keeps happening in the news for us to talk about, uh, they're going to find a way to write it into the, the students at uh, Winchester University there. So uh, it's a show that could go on for a very long time, but if you're asking me, I think probably one to two more seasons is, is just about right, um, and I'll be stoked to watch all of them. Uh, I just There's a character uh, played by Logan Browning in this named Sam who's, who's a mixed character, um, and there's a lot of really cool stuff with her. Uh, she's kind of the main character, and, and Logan Browning has, because of her role here, really jumped up my list of, of actresses that I like and saw her in The Perfection. So... Um, just to get like specifically that character back and just hear more about what she, you know, goes through and what she thinks and things. Um, I'll, I'll be interested to see hers and, and a lot of the other storylines kind of wrap up or come to some sort of, um, some sort of stopping point, but, uh, they're all still interesting to me. And so I'll, I'll definitely be continuing to watch when season four comes out. So we have three shows this week in the TV corner, almost a whole room. Uh, ballers, the righteous gemstones and dear white people, uh, all getting recommendations from us. To varying degrees so uh, check out any of those shows i know in the near future seth will have big mouth season three which released uh a couple weeks ago and and you and i both are very close to finishing that so potentially next week uh we can review that what else do you have that's wrapping up or are you mainly starting new seasons yeah a lot of a lot of st- stuff starting right now um a lot of stuff starting uh, i know that i think this week we have um, well, I know for sure that Limetown show with Jessica Biel, the one based off a of podcast, premieres this week on Facebook Watch. I'm excited for that. I believe BoJack starts this week. It's either this week or next week. So um, we've got more adding to my plate. Um, <laughs> we'll see how much I get through. Um, you know, I'm still behind in like Mindhunter and everything too. So uh, a lot of a lot of stuff coming up, but uh, hopefully I can get through some of it for for some reviews. There you go, Seth doing the Lord's work and watching all the TV so that uh, you know what to and what to not watch. Um, and this week, all, all good things. Three for three with recommendations. So that's it for this week's TV Corner. Television! Down on the corner. Nobody puts baby in the corner. Uh, we move now to the world of movies. Uh, and Seth, this, this, this Mambo number five that we're about to get into has something to do with one of your quick hits that you mentioned, Clerks 3, is in development from Kevin Smith. Whoa. And in addition to that, okay. uh, we've got a, a Kevin Smith movie releasing this week. Um, that being, of course, Jay and Silent Bob reboot, which I know you're all horned up to go see. Yeah. Um, and <sighs> so we decided we would take a look at Kevin Smith's filmography and rate our top five Kevin Smith movies in this week's Mambo number no. five. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Mambo number no. five. Bad. So you're obviously a far bigger fan of his than me. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but mostly because of you, I've seen a lot of them. <laughs> <laughs> and so uh, we've got a couple of lists. I, I'm assuming your your opinions on these will be more passionate uh, than my own, but I'm interested to see what you have at the top here. I think I know, but I know you could have gone one of a couple different directions. Very well may have. Number five. Okay, number five for me, gosh, my, my five through three were really tricky because they're all very close. Uh-huh. Um, but at number five, I went with Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back. Okay. Not on my list. So this one uh, is is sort of the, for me, I, I know for true Kevin Smith fans, it's it's not the case. But for me, this is kind of like quintessential Kevin Smith. Like, it's the movie I think of when I think of him. And, um, you know, it, it's a funny movie. I watched it recently. It still holds up with its comedy, but not my favorite on his list. Um, but it's fucking wacky, man. That's for sure. Yeah, it's funny because this is the one that tied all of the movies together. Like it had cameos from every single one of those movies at that point. So it's funny that like you haven't seen all those movies. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. and I know you haven't seen <laughs> at least two of those, the movies out of there, I think. Um, so, you know, it's funny that it's one, you know, it's on your list, but it is very Kevin Smith. I mean, there's a lot of poop and fart jokes. There's, you know, it's of course Jane Silent Bob. So there's a lot of that stuff. And, um, I think it probably is. You know, I think probably Clerks is the most recognizable Kevin Smith movie, but that's probably Jane, Jane Silent Bob is probably second, um, just because. Mm-hmm. And Jane Silent Bob is the name when you think of Kevin Smith. So, um, it, it, I think this did the best in terms of money that uh, that he's done for his. You know, I, I think any movies, maybe other than Zack and Mary make a porno, but um, you know, it had at the time like big stars like, and they still are like Ben Affleck and and um, Matt Damon and stuff like that. So. Uh, it, I think it is the recon- most one of the most recognizable one of his. Um, my number five might be a, it's probably going to be a can kick for you. Uh, it's Red State. Uh, that is a can okay. kick. Yep, We're, I have that a little higher. Okay. Number four. This is one that I would I I will be shocked if it's not a can kick. Uh, Clerks two is what I have it for. Yeah, we're gonna can- kick that can. Yeah, I thought we might. Uh, number four, I don't think you've seen, so I don't think we'll have a can kick. Uh, Mall rats is what I have at number four. I still have not seen Mall Rats. Maybe I'll put, you know, maybe that'll be a list adder. We'll see. Um, Mall Rats. So this is a second one, and this is one that I think a lot of people uh, discovered later. They discovered on like home video and stuff. I know it didn't do very well uh, initially, but uh, this one. I mean, it's it's Jason Lee's first movie. It's one of Ben Affleck's first movies. It has Jay and Silent Bob returning. It takes place all within a mall, um, but it, it, and it's connected. Like the, I think when he did uh clerks you know he, he had all these characters that he kind of mentioned and some of those characters he mentions that aren't on screen are in this movie um he was really one of the first to kind of really connect stuff but i don't know if he really even planned it that way he just kind of like did it but this kind of did that um a lot of people say this is the funnier uh, of you know between that and clerks a lot of people have it as their favorite between that and clerks too but um it's uh definitely a very funny movie very much more silly than clerks um it's got michael rooker it's got a lot of interesting cast to it so um funny though i it's one of, it is one of my favorites um you know it's, it's a much very easy watch um you know it, it looks better than clerks not being in black and white and stuff um but i, I do i uh, do quite enjoy mall rats yeah mall rats you know not one that i made it to but i've heard a lot of good things mm-hmm. um which which kind of surprises me <laughs> because it seems like a totally um uh like dumb comedy, but uh, one, I mean, one that I'll be interested to see when I get a chance. It's pretty dumb, but it's also, I mean, it's funny and it's got heart to it and everything too. So uh, Shannon Doherty, like he got weird actors and actresses to be in this stuff. I mean, I already mentioned, you know, Ben Affleck, Michael Rooker, Shannon Doherty, Jason Lee, like really interesting, weird casts that he got in these movies. 
Number three. This may surprise you, uh, but I have Tusk at number three. Wow. When I sat down and thought about it, and I said, okay, which which Kevin Smith movies have I seen, and which ones have I liked, um, I kept coming back to Tusk as one that I liked, and <laughs> it's it's a it's dumb it's so dumb and it but it's like so crazy but like pretty funny yeah um but it was it's just uh it was a big swing Mm -hmm. and uh it doesn't land on every level but there are some things that are done really well here and the whole the conclusion of this movie is something that honestly on a real like actual horror movie level still sticks with yeah and and for that i have to give it credit you know i'm a horror fan so um they did they did a lot wrong in dusk <laughs> um but they did enough right for it to to slide up my list i i it's one that when i was thinking about this list i was like i gotta watch tusk again yeah it's been a while since i've seen it. it's weird uh one of the first a24 movies that came out it, basically the and you know for no one who's seen it, it's the pre- basically justin long gets turned into a walrus and it's based off of an episode of a podcast you can go listen to it now they and the end credits they actually put pieces of the podcast but uh kevin smith and his producer who didn't end up working on the movie but um his producer for a lot of his other movies scott Mosier, they have a podcast and they their podcast goes off in weird places they just tell stupid stories and build off each other's stories and and it gets weird and this one they have about halfway through it they're going through the story a real life story about this guy who um who basically was going to be kind of a servant, but had to wear, or not a servant, he'd live in a house for free, but had to do things uh, in a walrus outfit. And so they made the story kind of going crazy, where instead this guy turns the guy into a walrus. And about halfway through, Kevin Smith goes, "This, you know what, this could be a movie. And then he made it. <laughs> and like, like you mentioned, though, I mean, like, you know, that end, um, and the point where they reveal him as the walrus, that just the horror that's in Justin Long... <laughs> is it's still it still sticks with me um it's it's weird it was weird to watch a movie i'd heard people just come up with in a moment like the whole process of a movie being made on a podcast was just weird seeing it play out exactly like they talked about um but then the the end result was also really strange but i i do i do enjoy tusk it's one i haven't watched in a while but i do want to go back to there you go uh my number three is chasing amy I, i know we talked about you haven't seen this one um, this one's probably his most well-done movie, um, in terms of written, in terms of acting, um, all the, probably not best looking at this point, but at the time it was best looking movie. Um, again, Ben Affleck, Jason Lee, uh, Joey Lauren Adams, um, basically the, the whole, the whole story here is around Ben Affleck and Joey Lauren Adams. Um, it, it, it sounds worse than it is, but basically Joey, Joey, Lauren, Joey Lauren Adams, Amy, Actually, no, not even Amy. Amy is the name of um, something else that happens in the movie. But I can't, uh, Alyssa, I think her name is. She is a lesbian, and Ben Affleck really likes her, and they have a relationship together. And, and I know, like that sounds like, oh, he turned her straight. There's a lot more involved there with that. <laughs> um, but it it, it is. It, I mean, it's funny. It's very funny. Um, the relationship between Jason Lee and Ben Affleck is great. Um, but it's also very serious, and a lot of the, the themes and, and tones and stuff like that. Um, definitely came like from a from a deep place with with kevin smith so like it has a lot to it and uh i think i think it's probably his best reviewed movie out of everything too i think it uh it it won some awards at some different festivals and things a lot like clerks did but i think this one was more like you know this he actually has some pretty deep writing skills and people realize like after mall rats um people were down on him this brought him back and stuff so chasing amy is a great like an actually really good movie it's not like 
poop and fart jokes. There's some of that in there, but you know, it's it's really a good, like, thought provoking type of movie. So I liked it a lot. Does this movie hold up? If you watched it today, are you cringing most of the time or not? I don't think so. I haven't watched it in in, in a probably good five to seven ish years. Um, so there's still like a little bit of that lens of being younger watching it. But from what I've heard people talk about, um, I you know I I think it does. I believe from what I've heard people talk about, I believe it still holds up. Well, that's good. Yeah, it definitely runs the risk of not. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> just just on premise alone, but I do remember hearing that it was executed actually pretty respectfully, mm-hmm. uh, more than more than you might guess. Number two. Number two. This is where I have the OG. I have Clerks. Me too. At number two. That's where I have it as well. Oh, nice. Uh, you know, Clerks, the one that starts it all. Um, the thing I love about Clerks, uh, and the reason I have it higher than some of these other ones, um is that I, I really enjoy in this the smallness and focused nature of mm-hmm. the movie and the fact that it's just Randall on that one day and a lot of wacky stuff happens to him, but none of it's really out of the ordinary. So it's it's pretty slice of life, life normal. Um, but the dialogue for me is the thing that wins me over with Clerks. Um, a lot of the stuff they get into talking about and the way that they talk about it is something you you don't really see in any other movie. Um, I think it's, it's almost Tarantino-esque. Um, the type of conversations they get into and the way that they speak, not in that it resembles Tarantino, but in, in that Tarantino um, gives his characters like downtime to chat about shit that doesn't matter, yep. like what they call a burger in France. Mm-hmm. And they do some of that type of thing, a little more, little more nasty stuff um, <laughs> in Clerks. Uh, but it, it's just like two buddies talking um, a lot of the movie and that's the stuff I really enjoyed. It's funny you mentioned that. Um, the year that, uh, Miramax bought clerks, um, was the same year Pulp Fiction was doing all of its award stuff. And so, mm. uh, and people, you make that comparison. A lot of people have made that comparison. Um, and, and they were kind of running at the same time. Cause I think the only, the only other thing Tarantino had done before, uh, Pulp Fiction was Reservoir Dogs. So he was still pretty young and early on in his career too, and so they kind of hung out a lot during that time, and and uh, um, you know a lot of, a lot of comparisons and that type of thing, and you know obviously Pulp Fiction went on to you know win you know a, a lot more awards and Oscars and things like that, whereas Clerks didn't, <laughs> based off the subject matter and everything. But um, yeah, I mean like like you mentioned, very small. I recently read the original draft of Clerks, uh, which was which was interesting. A lot of different changes, but. Um, you mentioned like a very small enclosed like one day and the original script was that, but it was even a little bit more open. They were going to different locations and, and, uh, all that stuff. Uh, they were, there was different new, like more characters and they were, they were kind of going out there with a little bit more stuff and due to like the shooting and, um, the lighting and, and the costs and everything like that, they even had to go even more scope down to what they were originally going to do. And so, I think that helped them a lot of what the restrictions like the restrictions they had caused the movie to be better, I think. And, uh, really just like you said, really interesting, really interesting slice of life. Um, the movie rides solely on the relationship between Dante and Randall, a lot of funny, weird, strange dialogue. Uh, yeah, I, I love that movie. I remember watching it. That got me into Kevin Smith. I watched it on like a free channel one weekend and and clerks two was coming out the next, next weekend. And so, 
the clerks got me down a rabbit hole of mall rats and I just kind of went from there and then got into this podcast and all that stuff. But, uh, clerks was what got me into it just based off the, like, I was like, this is a black and white movie from the nineties. This is weird. And they're not, you know, it's not a black and white movie. Like, you know, my parents watched from the sixties that they're talking about, you know, shit and balls and stuff like that. And I, I was 15. So I'm like, Oh, this is funny. <laughs> Cause you know, I heard Dick and I was like, ha ha ha. And so, uh, you know, it, 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 that's what got me into it. Clerks, clerks, what got me into it still holds up. I, you know, I definitely love it. Uh, still to this day. Number one. Uh, I, I think you might've guessed that I would have red state, um, at the top mm-hmm. and, Red State for me was this was Kevin Smith going, no, I can actually make movies, guys, Um, (laughs) because everything else of his and I know you say the same about maybe Chasing Amy. um, But for me, this was the first time I saw him uh, do something that reminded me of other good movies and, and didn't lean as much on like you know, fart and poop jokes and stuff like that. And and this was the one that proved it to me that he's got some serious chops uh, and he just, you know, when he decides he wants to make something, he does it well. Um, Michael Parks, though, I think is what, what makes this movie number one. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was going to talk about him in Tusk, but I wanted to save it for here. Uh, he really elevates both of those movies to another level. Um, just the, the way that he's, the way that he speaks in, in his, um, specifically in his monologues, uh, and in Red State, the whole, you know, uh, hyper-religious, uh, Westboro Baptist Church type people that is, this is kind of a send-up for, um, make for a really scary bad guy mm-hmm. in a horror movie. And this is just well-done horror, I thought. Um, and it it's, um, gets pretty violent, but... This, the setting, again, like, like I liked in Clerks, the setting in this is very tight. It has almost a claustrophobic feel, and it's just it's just really good horror. I remember watching it, um, and you see, like a, you see like a comedic, a primarily comedic person do something in horror, mm-hmm. and it works out a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm finding a, Danny McBride had a big hand in the newest uh, Halloween. That's an example. Yep. And um, well, Yeah, even like, because uh, I think the director of... Halloween, David Gordon Green is... That's right. He directed Pineapple Express yep, and, and some other And shit. he does Righteous Gemstones and, and that type of thing, too. So, like, yeah, I mean, that that's... A, I think horror and comedy are very closely related when it comes to, you know, writing, directing, and all that. Mm-hmm. And he does it super well. And it's shot differently than every other Kevin Smith film. You could almost yeah. miss that this was a Kevin Smith oh, yeah. movie. And uh, that's not necessarily why I like it. I, I do like those other movies, but... Uh, just a super well done horror movie that was tight and focused and had some interesting twists and turns. Uh, the climax of this is just a really thoroughly interesting thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, Red Stage is dope. It's, it's one that I, I want to return to again soon. Yeah, I've thought about watching this recently too. It's uh, a kind of kind of another one, not based on a podcast like Tusk was, but a lot of discussions around around the movie on the podcast and some influences from from his podcast in there as well. But another one too that I heard, you know, be uh, kind of made from the beginning um you know how much he talked about it uh, like you said based around the westville baptist church and michael parks being michael parks being uh, based off the leader i can't remember his name now but and yeah i mean definitely scary very you know like just crazy because it's like it's scary like obviously this stuff hasn't happened like a lot like the murders and stuff like that that they that they do in the movie like that's not real uh it's you know fictionalized based off the family but a lot of the stuff that they do, I mean, you could see happening, um, you know, with certain, not a lot, but some of the stuff. So it's scary in like a realistic way or not, you know, that 
it could happen type of way. Um, performances are great. John Goodman's great in the movie as well. Um, yeah, I mean, a really, really solid movie. Um, one of my favorite things that came from this, though. So um, they, the Westboro, Westboro Baptist Church obviously protested the whole thing. Uh, during the premiere, they they were standing across, I think at Sundance. They were at San, Sundance when it premiered. And they were across the street holding up signs, you know, saying Kevin Smith's go to hell. Kevin Smith's going to hell, blah, blah, blah. Uh, one of Kevin Smith's uh, gay best friends held up a sign that said, Dick tastes yummy on it. <laughs> <laughs> and was like pointing at the sign at them and, and all that stuff. And uh, yeah, they, they, they definitely had, they had a ton of fun at the expense of the Westboro Baptist Church. And actually one of the, the daughters, Megan Phelps. Um, she's, I, I think she was a granddaughter of, of Fred, um, very like adamant against Kevin Smith with the whole thing, very on Twitter, like always attacking him. Uh, a few years ago, she left the Baptist church and like did a podcast with him and talked about like the craziness of it all. And, and, and he was like a big reason for it because he talked about them a lot and, and, uh, you know, was, was like, he was very respectful about all this stuff. And so his, the way that he talked about all of it and, and, um, you know, it was very nice to that family. She was like, oh, maybe it isn't so bad and, and kind of came away from it. So um, some good actually came from it, too, I guess. So that is good. Uh, Fuck those guys. They're shitty people. Exactly. Um, my number one, you kicked it earlier, is Clerks 2. Now, this isn't this is more of a based off my favorite Kevin Smith, not the best movie Kevin Smith has made. Um, mm. And Clerks 2 is my favorite. And I actually went back and watched it like six months ago. A lot of stuff, I'd say a lot, there, there's a good healthy section of this movie that uh, would not fly today, uh, mostly based, <laughs> or, based around racial slurs, um, but uh, it's, uh, it, the movie as a whole, like, I've probably, this is the movie I've seen more than any movie, probably ever. Um, like I mentioned, I, I saw Clerks and then Clerks 2 almost right after, and um, for whatever reason, that movie just, just clicked with me, um, that it's like my comfort movie. Like if I, you know, something's going on, I'll watch it. You know, something like I just need to escape for a little bit. I'll watch it. Cause it takes me back when I was 15 or 16 again. Um, I mean, it is funny. It's got, it's got a really emotional beat to it with, with, uh, like kind of with getting older and like, like with Dante and Randall, like their friendship where it is Dante wanting to move on and have a family and Randall not at that point. So there's that type of thing going on. Uh, again, another day in the life thing, uh, you know, it starts, morning tonight at the the movies movies restaurant um uh you know it, it talks about like you know if again like with moving on like part of the movie is the that starts off with the 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 quick stop burning down and then they you know come to a point where they talk about wanting to do it again and 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 rebuild it and and get back that part of their life and thinking about simpler things in life and that type of thing so a lot of that still you know it resonates with me in a lot a lot of areas so Lot, I mean, again, not a lot of this movie flies. There's a lot of weird stuff, a lot of dumb, funny stuff. But at the same time, a lot of stuff there that keeps me thinking about it in a positive way and, and you know, brings me back to that time. So um, through a lot of its messages and, and that type of thing. But I love Clerks, too. Uh, you know, it's, it's a movie that I think I'll watch till the day I die and, and just remember, be able to go back to that point. So I'll always love Clerks, too. I love it. We uh, we on this show... Uh... Love, love the things for which we fanboy, that's for sure. Um, I know, Seth, that you're going to have the whole list of honorable mentions. Um, the one that I had that you mentioned that I actually probably would have put in my list if I had remembered it was uh, Zach and <laughs> Yeah. 
<laughs> that one, I probably maybe the biggest. I don't know this, but is that the biggest like theatrically successful movie that they've had? I can't remember. I I can't remember. I, it's either that or Jay and Silent Bob. Um, mm-hmm. I almost think it's Jay and Silent Bob because this is. I think this should have done. Oh no, it is Zach and Mary. It's Zach and Mary by a slight amount, but he expected this one to be like huge. He expected like a fifty million opening, and I think he got like a thirty, which is still okay. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think at the time that really bummed him out because he was like, "This is it." You know, I have Seth Rogen with the biggest, one of the biggest stars in Hollywood, and all this stuff, and um, that kind of like changed his mind about filmmaking at the time, and you know all that stuff, but. That's the movie that got him into weed too, actually, <laughs> because oh, is that right? because him and him and Seth Rogen were smoking on set, and then like, you know, the movie bombed, and then after that, he just started smoking because he remembered, oh, you know, I did this with Seth Rogen, <laughs> and then, uh, you know, became the big stoner he is now. But um, yeah, no, it's it, 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 I think it underperformed, but yeah, it, one of my favorites too. It's definitely an honorable mention for me. The one that some people might be yelling that we left off was uh, was Dogma. Yeah, and that's one that I haven't seen, but I'm interested in because it's it talks about religion a lot, and I, I tend to like those movies. Um, but it missed out on your list. Yeah, I, I like Dogma. Um, I'm just not as big. In, like I think the Red State took more. Like I liked the angle it took on religion there. I think Dogma. I wa- when I watched it at the time, I wasn't as um, aware. Like I was aware of religion, but I wasn't like as probably um i'm not as knowledgeable as as i am now about it so i think that's one i've been wanting to go back and watch again i mean there's a giant poop monster in it so you know it's not that serious <laughs> but it's also you know it's got alan rickman it's got you know kind of some really uh good actors and some good performances in it and it does have like kind of a satirical way on 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 religion whereas like red state kind of took a more serious approach to it so um that's why i prefer red state right now but i do want to go back and watch dogma there you go well, those are our favorite Kevin Smith movies. Let us know why our lists are wrong, what you would have added, what you would have moved around in the comments uh, and or on Twitter or Facebook at SoCo Show Pod. Uh, and Seth, for Kevin Smith fans, it's a big week. We've got Jay and Silent Bob reboot uh, releasing, but it's I know it's a little bit of a limited release, mm-hmm. so how can folks find that movie uh, and go see it this weekend? Yeah, you can. Uh, I think there's there's like those Fathom events. So if your theater does Fathom events at all, um, it'll be playing through that on Tuesday and Thursday. Um, so by the time this airs, you can go Thursday night, I guess. It's a, a double feature with Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back. And then he's also doing a, a big old tour with the movie. I, I mentioned earlier I'm going to see him. That's what he's doing. Um, I think it starts next week um, after the, the movie's premiered in the theater. So, um, And it goes all across the country from now until, I think, February. So it's quite a while. And uh, he's going with the movie. Uh, he's going to do a Q and A and stuff. And then I think it releases in theaters. Said it's a platform re- release, so it releases in theaters in that town for a short period. So like for you, I think he's going to be in Portland, either that or Eugene. I can't remember which one. I know he's not in Bend, but he's in one of those cities. My guess is that it'll play in Oregon around that week that he's there. Mm-hmm. Is is what I what I'd expect. So. Um, you can go to rebootroadshow.com and it'll have all the cities. So if you do actually want to see it, um, he's going to be in a lot of the major cities and stuff like that. Uh, it's like 60 cities, I think. And then uh, I'm sure it'll be in theaters around that time. So if you do actually want to see it, just kind of see when he's going to be around and either go. A lot of them are sold out, but either go or, or uh, you know, they go to the theater and, and check it out during that time. If, you, if there is tickets available, I'd highly recommend going. Even if you're not like a big fan of his, 
he's just an interesting guy to listen to. Um, mm-hmm. I know it's a little pricey for some of the tickets, but he's really interesting to listen to and, and a lot of inspiration, a lot of ways, really funny in some ways. He'll tell a lot of, you know, personal stories too. So you might not get, get a lot of them, but, um, you know, I think just listening, like I loved his movies, but what I became a huge fan of is hearing him talk on a podcast. And so, you know, I, I think he tells enough relatable stories and interesting stories. He repeats a lot of stories too. So you'll, you'll be able to hear and understand maybe why, you know, I, I have enjoyed him for, for so long. Yeah, and I can I can echo that. You and I went to see him speak a few years ago, and had a really enjoyable time. And I'm not even a, as big a fan as you of his movies, so uh, I'll, I'll link to the tour if uh, folks want to check him out. It gets a high recommend for both of us, and uh, you can also find a link in the description box for uh, showings of Jay and Silent Bob reboot. So uh, Seth, a big Kevin Smith fan, probably maybe as as big as any uh, fanboyism that I have. Uh, so an exciting time for for him and other Kevin Smith fans this week. Um, so uh, again, let let us know what you thought of our Mambo's number five. And uh, next week uh, for us, we'll have we'll have a review of of reboot. So looking forward to hearing from that. For now, though, we roll onward, and we're gonna get into this week's making the quota. What's your name? Fuck you! That's my name! <laughs> my name is Inigo Montoya. And I quote! All right, so Seth has found a quote from a film, and I'm going to need to figure out what film was uh, was the home of this quote and which character said it. What do you got for me this week? Your quote is, If you could reenact that look of absolute befuddlement, it would be perfect for the cover of my DVD. Huh. No, I'll just let you know. I doubt, I doubt you remember. Last week's, uh, or last time we did this, it was Woody Harrelson. Oh, yeah, because it was from Zombieland. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah, I wouldn't I wouldn't have gotten that. Um, If you could reenact that look of befuddlement, it'd be great for the cover of my DVD. Pulling a blank on Woody. Um, <laughs> Gross. Let's see here. <laughs> <laughs> That's going to be the title. Trying to pull him. <laughs> Want to know the year? Yeah, give me the year. 2013. Man, what the hell was he in in 2013? I'll read their quote again. If you could reenact that look of absolute befuddlement, it would be perfect for the cover of my DVD. Did we see this in theaters? We did. I believe we saw this one and the sequel in theaters together. Oh, shit, there's a sequel? Um... We quite enjoyed. I believe you own this on DVD. Do you know what it? What the fuck do I own with Woody Harrelson? He's in an, he's in an ensemble, ensemble cast. Oh, man, I'm struggling. I can tell. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to resist pulling up his filmography because I'm sure I'll know it as soon as I see it. It's uh, ensemble cast. It's It has not Amy Adams in it. <laughs> Okay, so it has Isla Fisher, or... <laughs> it has... If I say what it's about, you'll get it instantly. Um, ah, motherfucker. It has Mark oh, Zuckerberg in it. It has uh, Bruce Banner in it. <laughs> what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> I'm telling the other... I'm telling you that the actors that they've... Other characters <laughs> they've played. Oh, oh, I have it. 
I have it. Yeah, I did. I did like this movie. I do want it on DVD. Um, that's going to be, um, it's going to be now you see me. <laughs> yes. Uh, Jesus Christ. I should have known that one. I don't know. I farted all the way. <laughs> and I, I'm sure I edited down the amount of time I thought about that, but it was a, fu- it was a while. Very long guys. time. That's uh, why I started giving you clues. I was like, come on, motherfucker. <laughs> yeah. Holy shit. Um, so I'm going to, is that Jesse Eisenberg? It is not. That is oh. uh, Morgan Freeman's character. Do you happen to remember who what what that name is? No. Thaddeus Bradley. What a fucking Morgan Freeman ass name! <laughs> oh my god. Well, that was. Uh, I think I lose. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, that makes sense. So I do really like the first. Now you see me. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the second one got a little ambitious. Yeah, second one was kind of um, butt. Yeah, um, but. First one was dope. High, highly recommend Now You See Me to folks who haven't seen it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you can you can hear the the quote of befuddlement um, if you uh, if you do it. I really like Woody Harrelson's character in that, too. He's pretty interesting. I don't know. It seems like you didn't remember any, any actor in that movie. Well, yeah. It took me a bit, damn it. Um, that's okay, though. Everybody's brain farts sometimes. What's your name? Fuck you! That's my name! <laughs> my name is Inigo Montoya. And I quote! I've been itching to get back to the podcast recording studio because there's been a little movie uh, that's generated some controversy over these last couple weeks, and uh, we're going to chat about it a little bit here in movies. Quiet on the set. Can we please have quiet on the set? Movies. All right, so we have Joker, uh, directed by Todd Phillips, starring Joaquin Phoenix. And uh, this movie was generating a lot of buzz, not only about the movie itself, but about movies in general and what they should and shouldn't do or show. And, and God, there's so many places to start here. We're going to review Joker in a little bit. Um, so no spoilers or anything here. Don't worry about that. But Seth, this movie was all over the news cycle for the past couple weeks, and I think that uh, a primary reason why is that that there's a lot of concern for whether or not this movie um, would potentially incite violence um, in in folks, because it is the story of how a guy sort of gets beat down uh, by society, as it were, and becomes Joker, who we all know, and... I know that one of the big concerns came from the group of folks uh, that lost family members in the Aurora, Colorado shooting back when the Dark Knight, uh, was it the Dark Knight Mm -hmm. or Dark Knight Rises? The original Dark Knight, yeah. Um, The Dark Knight came out and they were worried that that this would influence kind of copycats and and people like that. And and I know for for me on that, you know, my my reaction to people saying stuff like that is there's a lot of movies – that have this sort of storyline, uh, you know, a, a person turns to, to, to evil and, and they're, they're sort of forced that way. And, um, so I, I don't think this movie should or would be held responsible if any of that kind of stuff did happen. But do you think, do you think that it's possible that movies like this could incite sort of copycat activity like that? Uh, and if so, do, do you think it's the comic book nature of it and the symbol that is Joker that, that, kind of raises that concern or, or what is it about movies like this that you think people are so scared of? Um, I mean, I think it's possible for people to use that as an excuse. I, you know, it's, I don't think 
you know, I, I think crazy people are going to do crazy things because they're crazy, you know, and, and they need help. You know, it's, it's, I think that if they were to do something like that, just like with the one that happened in Aurora, the, you know, they, they could use the Joker as like, oh, you know, he, he's my inspiration, but I think it could be anything, you know, the, the fact that, you know, like, like you mentioned, there's all kinds of movies that, that have crazy, I mean, you could even look at like Thanos, for example, he killed half the world, you half the universe, mm-hmm. you know, like, obviously not, someone's not going to do that. And he didn't shoot people, but you know, he did live out of, you know, his, his fantasy of, you know, get rid of, getting rid of half the world. You know, there's, there's almost in any type of movie that has violence in it whatsoever, there's always some sort of, you know, person who's going to cause harm or damage or whatever. John Wick, you know, someone could use John Wick as an example for, you know, he killed 112 people in this movie. Why can't I, you know, there, there's all kinds of different stuff that, that could happen. Now the Joker is a mental, un, mentally unstable character. And, and the whole point of the movie is to explore his mental illness and, and to explore, how people are treated because of that illness and how people look at that and that, you know, all that. Um, but if this movie was not called Joker, I don't think it would have had the same sort of uh, reaction with people. You know, it, Joaquin Phoenix was in a movie just a year ago or less than a year ago where he played a mentally unstable person who killed people with a hammer. You know, um, if that would have been a big blockbuster movie uh, because of the subject matter, I, I think, you know, may I don't think it would have had people at, at the gates, you know, with, with cops at the gates, you know, guarding it. Um, I think with this one, it's just the matter of this happened once in the past. It's got a crazy, insane protagonist who in the, in the, or antagonist who in, in the comics have killed a bunch of people, have done mass killings. Um, people are just worried that this art that has happened in the past is going to inspire that. Honestly, though, it probably helped the movie, sadly, um, in terms of box office. Um, mm-hmm. It got all kinds of news, all kinds of press. Um, I know tons of people, uh, you know, that, that I've heard through podcasts or even someone I, I met in uh, an Uber driver. I was, I was coming, I was on an air, uh, uh, in an Uber coming to get you at the airport. And, uh, that me and that Uber driver talked about the Joker and he was like 70 years old and said, I might go see that movie. <laughs> um, hmm. you know, it, it, it expanded to a, a lot of people that really weren't, aware. you know, five months ago when this movie was really gaining heat or even like a month ago when it was out at the film festivals and stuff before this whole, you know, uh, inciting violence thing happened. People weren't really, you know, your average person wasn't aware of what the Joker is or they were probably aware of the Joker, but they weren't aware that this movie was, movie was coming out. Um yeah, you know, so I think it did help because it's made almost it's made now at this point over a hundred million dollars at the at the the at the, at the box office, which you know an R rated movie about a villain for Batman probably shouldn't make that much money, but um, you know it, it's just I think there there's kind of like in each hand there's there there's something to to give merit to it. You know, one hand, no, you know, it could be you know it could be any sort of movie that inspires that, but at the other hand. Like it helped make the movie money, and uh, you know it, it. It is a character that has done it in the past, and you know you could see it happen. So, yeah, I think it was definitely blown up more than it should have been. But I know Warner Brothers isn't complaining. No, oh, yeah, no kidding. Uh, you mentioned the box office: five hundred forty-eight million worldwide, um, including domestic and foreign. 
548 million so far. Uh, I'm seeing projections that it may hit the billion dollar mark by the time all is said and done. So uh, to your point, you know, uh, America is nothing if not morbid. So when you tell people, here's this fucked up controversial movie, uh, a lot of times people go see it. And, uh, you know, you mentioned the use of, of the Joker character, obviously driving a lot of comic fans, um, a lot of comic fans to, to go see this one. Um, I think, Seth, there, there are so many different things that people are talking about in terms of trying to make the movie sound problematic. Um, and you and I have, you and I have seen the movie and, and we'll talk maybe more about our, rev- in our review about whether or not we think the movie is problematic, but um, when you hear things like uh, like glorifying violence or um, you know sympathizing with a a bad character like this, because um, those are a couple of the of the reactions that that I've heard a lot of that that people want to sort of color the movie as something that is unhealthy um, because of those two items. Uh, generally speaking, when you hear like okay, it's glorifying the violence or the antagonist or um, you, you know things like that, do you think they're is there a line at which that would be true? I know in the past you've said, you know, a movie is a movie, and if if people uh, derive problems from it, that's on them. Um, but is there a line where if, if a movie truly were to be glorifying bad behavior like this, that, that you would eventually say, um, you know, that, that movie is probably pretty uncool and shouldn't be shown? And, and does Joker come anywhere close to that line for you? For me, I don't think it necessarily came to the line of glorifying violence. I think that you know it it in terms of like the the sympathizing thing i think part of the movie it it does sympath, sympathize uh make you sympathize with the joker for certain reasons um but i think it also comes around to prove another point with that so that that's in a, in a way yes but ultimately no <laughs> um with with the violence thing like i think we've seen more violent movies than this we definitely have seen more mm-hmm. violent movies than this I mentioned John Wick. Uh, he doesn't kill 114 people in this movie. So, um, you know, we, we've seen, I've seen, I know I've seen more violent, more, um, more grotesque movies than this, but um, I've never seen a movie more, you know, kind of uh, emotionally battering than this. So I think that may, that could probably be the more, it's, it's definitely a triggering movie. Um, so I think it is on, on, the viewer to whether or not they go see this. Um, you know, there is a lot of warnings up front. There's been a lot of warnings about this movie. And um, yeah, there, there's certain people who, if they go see this, they're going to feel, um, feel terrible after watching it. They're going to feel, um, they're going to, I mean, they're, they're, it's, it's not going to emotionally, it's not going to do well for them. Um, so they shouldn't go see it. Now, some people might argue, well, you know, it's a movie. Everyone should be able to go see it. No, that's not the case. Um, mm-hmm. it, it is up to... Th- I didn't see Trolls. <laughs> right. You know, tr- Trolls really fucked you up as a kid. Um, but uh, <laughs> and then you couldn't go see it, and I saw it, and, you know, I, I felt great about it afterwards. So um, I didn't see Trolls. But, uh, I no, I, I mean, it, it is up to the viewer um, with, with really any movie, you know, it, it, whether you go see it or not. Um, you know, some may not give you warning before, but if you're an educated moviegoer, you're not just going to go walk into a, um, you know, if, if you have men- mental issues, you're not going to go walk in. You shouldn't go walk into the Joker. If you do, that kind of is is on you. It's rated R for a reason. Um, you know, art is art. You know, pe- people make, people make, you know, Todd Phillips made the Joker. Joaquin Phoenix, you know, made the Joker to to express something. 
And, you know, art is going to be taken differently by different people. And so if, if you're triggered by what's happening in this movie, you know, I feel bad for you and I'm sorry, but you shouldn't go see the movie. Um, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I think it's as simple as that. Yeah. You touched on something that is, is really interesting to me. Um, and, and you brought up John Wick and it's violence. And that movie is, is head and shoulders above this in terms of violence. Mm-hmm. But we cheer on John Wick. Sure damn do. Because he's he's a uh, he's a protagonist that we can get behind for his reasons. Um, and, and Joker, uh, this is not a spoiler, uh, says a lot, kills a lot less people than John Wick does. And he's so much more dark. And, and I think it what what you mentioned that I think is the reason why is is you you can somehow feel good at the end of John Wick because he's a character you want to get behind and you want to win and you think he's justified in his killing. Um, and uh, and in Joker maybe maybe not quite as much, but it it's not it doesn't seem to be the amount of violence, just just the portrayal of it and mm-hmm. the the reasoning and logic behind it. Uh, what is it about Joker that you think people are so concerned about? Because there are far more mo- violent movies out there. I mean, it's definitely the the mental instability and and the um, mental illness that that he has. I mean that 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 was that I think that's the entire reason behind the you know the the issue the warnings and you know the cops standing outside of places that um, a movie like this probably would attract people with mental illness because unfortunately they could relate to it more, you know, and, and it's, uh, it's something that, you know, they might, some people might've had dark thoughts like this and that type of thing. And so it worries, you know, it worry the public that were worried, you know, the police or whatever that, that they, that someone might go to this and, and act on it or whatever. That's the main issue behind it. But that, that's this, I think Joker, even though it's taking place in a comic book world is taking place in a more serious world. It's t- basically, they're showing it as, our world if this guy did this stuff whereas john wick is like this weird underground world of coins and blood oaths and nut nut biting dogs so <laughs> um you know it, it is all about presentation you know todd phillips wanted to make this realistic gritty joker movie um where you know if something like this could happen um but he wanted to to you know say something about it he wanted to to make a point about it and say something about it and and, uh, you know, you can't, I think if, if it's a line of like, do we make this available for people to, to watch versus, or do we, you know, say you can't make this movie, <laughs> you know, like that's, you, you, it's, it's a very fine line of like censoring someone's art versus, you know, telling uh, versus like hiding it from a small group of people, you know, that type of thing. I don't know. Sure. Sure. Uh, you mentioned the cops. Uh, I didn't. I did not have police at my theater. Uh, I went. I went. I was actually out of town, and I went to a really small theater in a small town. So um, I didn't have uh, guards or anything like that in mind. But I know you did, mm-hmm. and I'm curious. Uh, that whole thing, you know, the whole threat of danger of it all, and the increased security and thing. How did that affect your ability to enjoy the movie, if at all? Was was it a distraction, or were you concerned at all going in? It seems like a strange question, but it's I guess the the police were. Well, um, the thing that really sucked is that I went in and ordered a plate of uh, mini donuts, and they took them from me. So that really sucked. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> Ha <laughs> ha
<laughs> I accidentally hit it twice, but that was a good one. <laughs> no, I did not have my mini donuts taken from me. I did eat a juicy burger. Um, no, it, it was, it, honestly, it did. It, it it was weird. It was, um, it's probably the, the, felt a lot of weird experiences in the theater this year, whether it be, you know, like Endgame. This was a weird one, though, too, though, because, like, I, when I pulled up there, I, I was actively looking for cop cars. I walked in and I see two police guys standing where m- my old lady friend takes my tickets. Um, it, it just, it, it was a weird thing. And there is that, I mean, there was that little bit, cause I was in a packed theater. There was multiple shower showings of Joker playing. Um, parking lot was full. There is that in the back of your mind because like if there wouldn't been, honestly, if there wouldn't have been the cop, the whole thing there with cops being there or any worry. Like if there had been no press about shooters or anything like that, potential like shooters or killers, I wouldn't have thought about it, but I did sit there and like, you know, the, the, and, and honestly the cops being there did make me feel a little better <laughs> when I walked in. But if there wouldn't have been any cops there and then there, there would have been like, Oh, watch out for more people, you know, watch out for, you know, for crazy people at these, I probably would have been sitting there like looking around the whole movie, you know? Um, it's still weird though. Like I did, it, it didn't really hamper my injury. Cause once I, the movie started, I forgot about it, but like going into it, walking into the theater, sitting down, getting my food, all that stuff. Like there was that in the back of my mind the whole time of like, this is weird. <laughs> this is a really weird thing. Yeah. I don't, I've never had that happen. So it seems, yeah, it would just be such a strange environment, but I guess ultimately, if I were in that situation, I'd, I guess I'd be happy that they were there. Mm-hmm. You know, it, you never know when shit's gonna pop off, so it's good to have it, have some security there. And the the cops got to go to a free movie, so that's well. Cool. No, they weren't in the theater theater; they were just at the front. Oh, just right outside. They were at the front, which at the same time, like they don't frisk you. They you know they don't look into your bags. They I think they might look into bags. I didn't have a bag, um, but uh, not the least this time, my my movie bag did not come with me. Um, but, uh, uh, they, yeah. So like they didn't really like someone could have had a gun in their pocket and brought it in, but, um, it did feel nice that they were, they were there. So that, that did help. Um, you know, what's funny though, too, is to kind of just backtrack just a little bit. Uh, we mentioned like shootings and stuff. There was a shooting at the train wreck movie with, with, um, what's her face? Uh, the comedian. Oh, Amy, Amy Schumer. Schumer yes. Um, there was a shooting at one of those movies, uh, at that movie, the, the opening weekend of that movie, there was a shooting that really doesn't, that doesn't have any crazy people in it, I guess, other than John Cena's character. Um, (laughs) so it really, I mean, (laughs) yes, this movie can be triggering, but I also, you know, it, when it turned, when it came, came down to it, I don't, you know, the, I don't think the cops are the whole hub, hub of the whole thing. I don't think it was necessary, uh, when it, when it really comes down to it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, I certainly uh, subscribe to Better Safe Than Sorry, so it was good to see that yeah. there wasn't really any, not that I saw, there wasn't anything bad in the news that, that came up uh, from this. So uh, I think the, the deterrent uh, seems to have, have, have helped uh, if there was going to be any violence. Um, so certainly glad that we're not reporting a story about some violence at one of these fucking things. Um but, uh, you know, like we talked about, it, with, with the mental health stuff, uh, you know, as everyone will tell you, if you struggle with some of that stuff, you know, find, find a way to find some help. And uh, if you're worried about being triggered by the Joker uh, movie or any other movie, uh, don't forget, doesthedogdie.com is a really great resource. 
to see if you're going to be triggered by something uh, in, in an upcoming movie. So um, use your resources, folks, and, and be smart and safe out there. And um, But, you know, for us, I think uh, the fact that these movies can exist is, even though these aren't necessarily my favorite type of movies, I'm glad that we live in a world where they can exist because it allows for freer use of art. And, um, you know, everyone's not going to love every movie and everyone shouldn't see every movie. But I, I for one, am, am frankly glad that, that this uh, is able to get made. We turn from Joker, uh, and, and we'll come back to him in just a second, uh, but we've got a couple of other films to talk about. Let's get into some reviews. Mom, what do you think? I love it! I hated it! I'll go for it. We'll, say, we'll save our review of Joker uh, till the end here, but uh, I, I will start uh, with the first of three movies. I went to Ang Lee and Will Smith's Gemini Man, uh, actually earlier today, as of recording. Let me ask and you first. This is a movie. Let me ask uh-huh. you first. Did they indeed make a person out of another person? Well, this isn't a spoiler, but yes, they did. Oh, man. Uh, they did do that. And I was right, by the way. That line plays much less bogus in, <laughs> in context. Um, but <laughs> this movie, uh, heavily popular. Uh, because one, it's got the it's getting advertised like crazy, but also um, very famously employing a lot of new technology, um, using a higher frame rate, a higher resolution, and uh, some brand new state of the art CG technology to uh, incorporate the the younger Will Smith character, um, who uh, is a clone of the main character Will Smith who was sent after him to kill him. And so it's kind of Will Smith versus Will Smith. And this movie didn't get a lot of great reviews. It did not do well at the box office. It kind of got run over by Joker. Um, and I honestly, I don't, excuse me, I think the reviews of this movie are fair, if a little extreme. Um, a lot of people are really torching this. And I think a lot of that comes from the fact that it's Ang Lee and Will Smith. And these are two uh, filmmakers that people love to hate. And so... Um, this movie isn't, uh, isn't, I would say very good, uh, but it's certainly not as bad as a lot of folks and reviewers want you to believe. Um, the, the plot of this is incredibly basic. Um, you know, the, the clone is sent after Will Smith to try to kill him. Mary Elizabeth Winstead is in the mix and, uh, you know, stuff ensues. And, uh, what, where this movie really succeeds is in the action, I would say. Um, they do a really good job of, of choreographing combat and uh, sort of uh, storyboarding some moving action scenes, some chase scenes, and some fight scenes. Um, the action in this was, was, I think, very well done. You could see that the budget was there. Um, I also really like the look of this movie. And my, my, my theater, I don't think, was capable. I saw it in IMAX, so I don't, I don't think I fully was able to get the 120 frame rate. Um, I could tell that this looked different from most movies, but it was hard. It, it's hard for me to describe exactly why. So uh, it was certainly a different look. I, I thought it was a nice, really crisp, um, really smooth, um, slightly more realistic than your average movie look, uh, which I think is a lot of what they were going for. And, and I saw this in, in a pretty decent IMAX screen. Um, but I, I don't think that that, added a ton for me, but the movie visually looks really cool. Uh, it's just got a nice, tight, sharp, the colors are really bright in this, uh, so it's just got a good look. 
the writing and the acting here really, really fall short. Um, <laughs> there's not a lot of dialogue to do much with in this. And by that, I mean a lot of the dialogue is really hammy and really dumb. Uh, it's delivered by competent actors, and so it, you know, it comes across just fine. Um, but just listening to some of the shit they say to each other, it makes you want to puke. It's some really terrible dialogue. Um, so this movie is, is not that much better than how it's being reviewed, but I think this is a solid action movie. Um, not one that I would encourage you to rush out to theaters to see, but definitely one you can catch in, um, you know, on home video and and you'll have a nice enjoyable time just like with most action movies. Uh, I thought that they did a really good job with the, the second CG Will Smith character, there was a couple instances of Uncanny Valley and a little bit of strange movement in some scenes, but on the whole, really well done CG. And I think if you didn't tell someone that that was a CG character, they might not notice, save for one or two small things. And I was looking for it. Um, so Gemini Man, not not a gem, not not anywhere near anyone's top 10 list this year, but is it perfectly a serviceable action movie, if you ask me. If it's not a gem, is it a nigh? It, it, is, it is a nigh. <laughs> I don't know what that is. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I'm not gonna see that one. <laughs> I wouldn't. I wouldn't recommend it for you. I don't. I don't think you're. Although gonna, I did but, see uh, one of our theaters uh, here in Cedar Rapids had the ability to do the frame rate and 3D, so that's pretty neat. But I debated going to see it just for that, just because of the look, because you know mm-hmm. how, you know how much of a boner I have over, uh, you know, oh, visuals. Yes. Um, but, uh, it would be worth it. It would be worth it for that. If you really had the free time and wanted to see the visuals, I would say it's worth it. You're not gonna. You're not gonna fall in love with the movie itself. Well, I believe that it's gonna be out of the that theater. I think it's gonna probably play in one screen and not in 3D <laughs> um, here after this week because of how poorly it did at the box office. So um, I probably won't see it. But I'm glad you didn't have a terrible time. Yeah, it was enjoyable enough. I, I like Will Smith, and it had an interesting enough plot and good action. So I, a, a very, very slightly tilted upward thumb um, from neutral, but um, you know, not not one that I'm I'm recommending you rush out to. I won't. Seth, hopefully you've got uh, you've got a couple movies to review here, and and I suspect you'll have nicer things uh, to say about each of them. Which one do you want to go with first? Uh, I'm gonna start with Judy. Uh, I've talked about this a little bit. Um, I think I talked about it in like the when when we did our hundredth episode about upcoming movies. Um, based off the trailer, I was really excited for this one. Um, and then so, you know some reviews started to come out, hearing good things and and heard good things. And uh, gotta say, I'm gl- I'm glad I checked this one out. So Judy, it's a biopic about Judy Garland. She played Dorothy in The Wizard of Oz. This one takes place uh, towards the end of her life. I think in the last few months of her life. She died pretty young, uh, I believe in her 40s, but um, she, at this point in her life, uh, is uh, separated from her former husband. Uh, she's down in terms of her celebrity here in the United States. She doesn't have really any money left. She's trying to support her kids, but also maintain the lifestyle she's used to, of you know, partying and drinking and, and drugs and all that stuff, um, while also trying to be a parent and all that. And so she gets an offer to... She's still very, very popular in England, and she, she gets an offer, or just UK in general, and she gets an offer to go overseas and perform and make a lot of money so she can you know, uh, still support her kids, keep her kids and all that stuff, and, and um, you know, get back to the lifestyle she's used to and, and get the fame and, and notoriety she's used to. And um, So basically the, the movie is around that struggle, that, that balance of her 
uh, trying to, to maintain all that, um, you know, keep a good relationship with her kids, um, have, have a good relationship with, uh, who she is seeing at the time. And I cannot remember his name. I think he might even be kind of a celebrity. And, and that's kind of a cool thing in this, this movie is that there's a few celebrity, uh, celebrities that pop in and out, like in, in terms of the roles. Um, uh, Lisa, da, 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 da. fuck, what is, what's her name? Liza Minnelli. Liza, Liza Minnelli. Yes, she she has a, a, a nice little cameo that pops in. Um, a, a lot of stars you'd you'd recognize from, I believe, like the '60s. I think is when it takes place, '50s or '60s. Um, they, you know, they, they pop in and out, which is kind of cool. Um, again, the most of this takes place over in, in England, though, so you, you know you don't get a lot of that American fla- flair here with that. But um, really, the strength of this movie is based on Renee Zellweger. She uh, she really does a great job in this, in this movie. Um, I, I think coming into this one, a lot of people have been saying, you know, best performance of the year. She's a shoe in for best actress, all that. Not ready to say that yet. I mean, she did a great job. She, she did everything she needed to do. Um, you know, I, I didn't ever see Renee Zellweger in, in this, uh, in, in her performance, you know, for, for me, it was Judy. I'm not like, I'm not very super well-versed on Judy or anything like that, but, um, Judy Garland, but I, 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 uh, Definitely didn't see Renee Zellweger in this performance. So, you know, she did a good job there. Um, I think for me, the the main, really the main, like, thing that held me back from saying, oh, you know, like, how I felt about Glenn Close with the wife last year is that a lot of times in this movie, you know, there's definitely some deep, heavy points. I mentioned kind of the overall themes of this. It definitely lends itself to some heavy stuff. But they don't fully go there for me. They're, you know, there, there's a lot of scenes that are broken up with some some moments where... Judy tries to break the tension with some comedy and things like that. And that very well may be her personality. But when I was expecting it to go into some deep emotional stuff where she's having these big emotional beats with some different characters, they kind of lighten it with some comedy. And don't get me wrong, there, there are some really heavy moments. But the moments I was expecting them to go heavy on, it didn't didn't feel it or or it abrupted, uh, ended abruptly and didn't fully go in for me. So while I would say she's definitely like the lead right now for best actress, it's definitely the best performance by an actress I've seen this year. Um, it's not, it's not for me like where I felt about Glenn Close where, and I know Glenn Close didn't end up winning it, but throughout the entire, from the moment I saw it, which I believe it was October of last year when I saw it all the way until, you know, February, I, you know, I was saying, you know, the best performance I've seen all that. Um, I can't necessarily say that, you know, again, best performance right now, but I feel like there are three or four other movies coming out that I'm like, I could see that being a better performance. So, uh, you know, we'll see it when it comes down to that time. Um, and I know the movie is really being carried by Renee Zellweger's performance, but I'm not ready to say that she's going to win just yet. But the movie as a whole, I really enjoyed. I felt the moments, um, especially in the trailer where they show like her, you know, kind of there's that moment in the trailer where she says, um, promise you won't forget me or whatever along those lines felt that moment. Definitely. That, that's what I was looking for. And I felt that. So that was cool. Um, enjoyed it a lot. Music was great. Act, acting was really great. Definitely recommend checking this out. If you have any sort of fandom for Julie, Judy Garland, I think you would enjoy this. Or if you're just looking for a good biopic and to kind of get more information about someone from, you know, back in the old days of Hollywood, I, I think it's a good movie to check out. So um, definitely worth the hour and a half, two hours that it is uh, for, for the runtime. Yeah, hearing a lot of good things about Judy, and and you you're touching on the same thing that I'm hearing that, um, that uh, Renee Zellweger is, is very good in this, which is is good to see her again. Uh, I haven't personally seen her in much in a very long time, 
Um, and of course, I'm a, I'm a Wizard of Oz fan, like most people. So th- this is something that may make its way into my list uh, once it hits streaming. But um, you know, you're not alone in saying that her performance alone is worth seeing this one. And we'll go now, Seth, to a movie that I know you've been waiting for for a very long time. And uh, Netflix finally put this one out uh, this past weekend. And you and it seems like just about everyone in America saw this one. What were your thoughts? Uh, yeah, that's uh, El Camino, uh, the Breaking Bad movie. Uh, yeah, this, this uh, I mean, I'm sure everyone knows who's who's a Breaking Bad fan. Uh, Aaron Paul, Jesse, uh, it takes... It, it, tells the story of what happened to him after breaking bad and uh i mean i'll i don't want to go into specifics because this is i mean really once you go into the to the plot i mean that's the plot of it but once you go into more detail it, it really kind of spoils a lot of stuff for any breaking bad fan i'm sure most people who are breaking fan, bad fans have seen it but for those who haven't don't want to say too much but um i will say that this was for me the perfect little stinger little epilogue to breaking bad it was it was like basically just two episode additional you know additional side story short story for breaking bad um if this i was thinking about it too if this would have been the finale of breaking bad I'm, i would probably would have been a little disappointed um just just because it the finale kind of really punched you in a lot of different ways this one does have some of those moments but this really benefits from having the time away from it all um it it has a lot of big moments it, it gives you conclusion has some great cameos and and has all the breaking bad lore you would come to expect but it doesn't have like with with that finale it it had like these big moments and this one doesn't have like huge big moments like the finale did but it has the perfect just like is like a perfect little little cup of ice cream the perfect little dessert um it gives you everything you want makes it, you know, make it, it, it puts you back in that world. I mean, I was back in that Breaking Bad world just like that. It, it took no time at all. I, you know, I felt, and it looks different. That, that's the thing. It's like, they do a little, um, preview, like, or a little recap thing before Breaking Bad. And this looks like a movie. Like, it, it, this really looks like a movie. It's, it's shot in, you know, 4K, comes through with HDR. They have some beautiful scenery and all that stuff, but it's not too different where it makes you not feel like Breaking Bad. I mean, they bring back certain characters. You see in the trailer, they bring back Skinny Pete and Badger, uh, who were were Jesse's uh, best friends in the show. Um, there's a lot of other little little uh, hints and a lot of lot of other little Easter eggs and things. Um, people coming back into the show. I know the the uh, or to the the movie the the oh, I can't remember the guy's name. He played I believe Ed in the show. Um, he passed away recently, like the day that El Camino. Um, premiered he's the guy who gets basically gets tries to get people he gets Saul out of of uh of uh, at the end of Breaking Bad um really old looking guy but uh he he passed away the day this came out and and uh and a lot of people had a lot of a lot to say about him and everything like that he you know he makes an appearance in this movie too as well and um a lot of a lot of just like Breaking Bad nostalgia a lot I mean you mentioned we talked about it fan service I mean there's definitely some fan service in this movie, and I don't think fan service is necessarily a bad thing at all times. Uh, people use fan service as like a negative thing. Um, I think when when you do fan service in the right way, I mean, you look. Endgame was a three hour fan service movie, <laughs> you know. Oh yeah, and, and I loved it. Right, and same thing here. Um, you know, people always just say fan service. You know, it's it's fan service in a good way because 
this this Breaking Bad movie, it kept again the original heart, the original feel, the original just the original formula uh, for for uh, I guess of a if I'm saying something punny, um, the original formula of Breaking Bad. There you go, uh, of Breaking Bad. It added to the story without reducing the original story. A lot of like, uh, a lot of spinoffs, a lot of um, sequels, a lot of movies that they do, kind of dilute the original story by adding to it with flashbacks or um, new material. And this added to the story, but it didn't dilute the rest of it. It it really was a nice little just piece. Of something you you know you may not you you may not thought you were missing, but now that you have it, it, it really just kind of completes a lot of a lot of things. I loved every second of it, though. I really really did. I mean, talking about performances, Aaron Paul. I mean, he's this character. He he is he is never better when he's Jesse. Um, and and in this movie, he really really is Jesse. Like he 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 does. He, there's a lot of what you've seen before, a lot of um, quote-unquote growth in a way of Jesse, though, too. Um, there are some really heavy moments with him that he has, like, uh, uh, there. there's moments in the final season where he is in, you know, he, he is basically trapped away in this underground cage uh, for, for a long while, and so you see the effects of that in this movie, and so you see some really messed up stuff with him, and he does a great job of portraying that. Um, but yeah, I mean, overall, if you're a fan of Breaking Bad, I think you're going to absolutely love this. I, I, You know, there's there's not anything for me where I was like, that's bullshit. That's not Breaking Bad. Everything mm-hmm. felt like Breaking Bad. It felt, again, like they just, you know, waited two years to put out the finale or, the you know, the last few episodes or whatever. Or not two years, but how many, you know, five years, six years. Um, I loved it. I absolutely loved it. I I. Couldn't, couldn't have been happier. Everything that I wanted, like when they announced this, or even when I've thought about like how I'd want Jesse to, to end up, it happened. Um, I it, it was perfect. It was absolutely perfect. I loved it. Now, it's not going to be... This isn't a movie that I'm going to have in my, my top 10. As a movie, I can't say it. You, you have to know Breaking Bad to have this as a, as a movie, like, you know, as your best picture. Almost like or is one of your favorite movies of the year. I mean, it's not a traditional... It basically is a two-hour episode of tv um i mean again it shot well and all that stuff but um you have to love breaking bad but if you do this is this is perfect i absolutely loved every second of it and i'm happy with how it all turned out Hmm. yeah that was the big question because this is getting rave reviews especially from breaking bad fans who uh watched it over the weekend so i don't i'm just glad that this turned out so well uh i know i i was not I wasn't sure this was the right move when it got announced. Um, and as everyone knows, Breaking Bad, as you've said, it is perfect the way that it is. So you run the risk of, like mm-hmm. you said, reducing the source material. Um, so it's a really nice relief. And I, I'm glad to hear that you and other fans um, of the show are, are still enjoying it and think that it adds to the show rather rather than detract from it. Mm-hmm. But um, the, the big question that I had, too, and I think you've answered it already, can a person who's not familiar with Breaking Bad still see a good movie here? Um, I would say you probably won't be as entertained by it um, just because there is a lot, like I mentioned, there there's fan service there, a ton of references. You know, I think you'll understand what's going on, but I don't think you'll in, you'll appreciate it as much. 
Sure. So, sure. Um, I mean, you really have to be a fan. And, and maybe if you watch the that little, you know, the 90 second thing before that recaps it all, um, you, you'll understand it a little bit more. But I think, you you know, to really love it as much as me and other Breaking fa- Bad fans do, um, I, I think you'll, you'd have to watch. You'd have to be a fan of the show. Um, but again, that being said, it is well made, extremely well shot. I mean, it's a beautiful movie. It really is. Um, the acting is is great the story takes some twists and turns that really any you know you know of any breaking bad episode a lot of twists and turns throughout they do that throughout this two hours um but to really appreciate it i think you have to be a breaking bad fan sure that's what i suspected uh so no no surprise there uh so fans of breaking bad have probably already seen this uh, but if you haven't el camino is available now on netflix and gets a big old recommend from one of the biggest Breaking Bad fans I know, Seth. Um, so glad to hear that that it's a nice uh, epilogue to the existing story here. Um, we're going to go now to a movie that w- we've already spent a great deal of time, of time talking about Joker, um, but, but we wanted to review it. You know, how is it as a movie? It's gotten a lot of press. Um, but, uh, you know, does the movie itself uh, warrant your money? Uh, as, as I, I can say that, that the answer would be yes. Um, and you know about Joker. We don't need to lay out all of the uh, plot details, but essentially you have uh, Arthur Fleck, who is a uh, mentally unstable man, just tra- kind of trying to plug along in his life and just keeps getting knocked down and knocked down and knocked down. And what you see is the fall of him from, from a, a troubled man into the Joker uh, that, that you're aware of. And there's a lot in this movie uh, that could be unpacked, uh, a, a lot of things to talk about. But on the whole, this is a movie that I will never tell anyone I enjoyed. Um, but I, I still think that it is a good movie. And this is something I often say about A24 films like Midsummer. Um, I, I, I see it. I understand what's good about it. I can appreciate it just fine. I didn't like watching it uh, because it made me feel very terrible. And that that's got, that's sort of my uh, wider scope view. And, and Seth, I know you, you were looking more, more specifically at the comic book elements in this um, when, when you were watching it. So did you enjoy the movie on the whole? Yeah, I, th- I think it was a, a very well-made movie, extremely well acted. Um, I did have some it, uh, issues with the story. Um, I think I had some, we talked about uh, as well, uh, off the off the podcast, we talked about, you know, I think I had some pre preconceived um, expectations beforehand, uh, based off being a big Joker fan uh, for the comics, and I, you know, I kind of I I almost like unconsciously was uh, was comparing Joker to this Joker to other Jokers, uh, and there's been a ton of iterations in the comics, but this one is so unlike any of the other ones that we've really seen um, that I, I think I almost walked out being like, that's not the Joker I'm used to. <laughs> and, and so, you know, on, on a, you know, a movie level uh, I was, you know, I definitely appreciated a lot of it um, in terms of, like I said, the acting and, and the cinematography and the music, all of that was expertly done. The story had some issues with, I know there was some DC, uh, I felt like maybe, um, uh, 
basically just forced. It felt like DC or Warner Brother kind of forced some things in there that I really, really hated. Um, mm. And again, I think I've talked about with you. I this is one I I do um, hesitantly want to go back to. Um, it's it is a tough watch. I mean, it's not an easy movie to go watch again. I don't think, but I think for how I view it and and maybe appreciate it, I think I need to go back and and watch it. Um, you mentioned like it's. It's extremely hard to watch. It's very uncomfortable. Um, I know, and even just in the first half hour, when you're starting to learn about uh, Arthur Fleck and and you know just start to see him on his his way to becoming the Joker, there's just some really tough moments of of him being put down and shunned and and mistreated by people and and his reactions to it and and feeling like almost like you're he's like in a in a just a stuck place of of badness i don't know like how else to describe it like there's just some really hopeless moments there's times where you just feel really hopeless along with him and uh it you know it's it's there's almost times where i felt like i wasn't able to breathe with how like awful <laughs> it, it felt with him you know um mm-hmm. they i mean and that's that's a credit 100 percent to um walking phoenix and, and todd phillips for for getting that out of the character and out of the performance um i mean in terms of that terms of the actual performances in filmmaking it's it's really incredible what they did but i just wasn't able to fully connect on a story level so i'm not as high in this movie as a lot of people are um i thought i just thought there was some issues with the story that i just fully couldn't get past at the time and again i think i need to go back but everything else like i mentioned with judy uh renee zellweger is the lead for sure for best actress i think joaquin phoenix right now is the lead for sure for best actor i think the the gap between like how I feel about Renee versus Joaquin Phoenix, I think it's a little bit wider with, with Joaquin Phoenix. I, I haven't really seen any performance this year that has gotten close to that. Um, and I, and I, I don't know what else is coming out this year, but I feel like it's going to be a tougher challenge to get close to that in terms of, you know, best actor. Um, but you know, that remains to be seen at this point, but yeah, I mean, technically on a technical level, this movie was done extremely well. Mm hmm. Yeah, absolutely, and and you 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 nail you hit the nail on the head. Joaquin Phoenix really drives this, um, and and what Todd Phillips does, uh, him or his his cinematographer does with the camera here is super interesting. Everything in camera here is really awesome with the colors and the angles they take, and this is a very, a, a far more artistic movie than I was anticipating. Mm-hmm. Um, it's very high minded, very ethereal, and Joaquin Phoenix drives that. I I would. Um, I would agree that he's doing a, he's putting in a lot of work here, um, and, and it, it 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 translates in a very interesting and strange way on the screen. I wouldn't go so far as to say that I sympathize with the Joker character, which has been a big concern of folks in the news. But you kind of see uh, his his sort of change over the course of this movie, and you you, you understand it at the very least, um, and you can feel bad for him at certain times and and not bad for him at other times, but. This was just an interesting, uh, it's a character study if I've ever seen one, um, and it, it's driven by, you know, the, the, just this weird ethereal just feeling that you're going to have when you watch this movie that isn't a good one, but it's definitely an interesting one. Mm-hmm. And so uh, if you ask me the question, Cody, is Joker a good movie? I would say yes. If you ask me if I liked it, I, I wouldn't say so. Um, it's, uh, again, folks are going to have to check out Does the Dog Die for, for a lot of trigger warnings and things like that. But 
Uh, it's a movie that didn't make me feel very good, so I'm not likely to watch it again, but I, I do hope that you do, because I think when you get away from some of the ties you have to the Joker character and just start to appreciate the film for what it is, I think you'll enjoy it more the second time around. Um, I, I went with uh, Lindsay, who's a friend of the show and has appeared on the show uh, at least once, and she said it's, it's, it's the best movie she's seen in about five years, which is high praise. Uh, especially from someone who works in the industry. So um, we went, uh, it was, it was, uh, I went with Lindsay and with my girlfriend and, and we all have very different movie tastes and we had uh, kind of different reactions to it. But what we all agreed on was that it was crazy well-made uh, and that Joaquin Phoenix is, is, is doing a lot of the work here. So Joker is a movie that is a weird one to recommend, but I think film fans and, and frankly, those who can just stomach a, a, a tough movie to watch, uh, are going to find a lot of things to enjoy in this one, even if they're not, you know, happy and clapping at the end of it. So th- that's what we thought uh, of the Joker. So it's it's an interesting kind of half recommend, but make sure you know what you're in for uh, from the two of us. But we really want to know on this one what you guys thought. So uh, hit us up on Facebook and on Twitter at Soko Show Pod and uh, let us know why the Joker was awesome or, or why it wasn't. And uh, a lot of stuff in the news uh, this past couple weeks about should they do a sequel? Should it be connected to the rest of the DC films and all of that? And, and it remains to be seen whether uh, whether those details start to come out. But we'll certainly keep up with any Joker news as it as it develops. But um, the movie's finally out, and people are people are having big reactions and lots of articles and stuff getting written. So um, if you're interested in this movie, there's a lot of stuff to look up about it. But uh, Certainly worth a watch. If it's something you're interested in, it certainly will not disappoint you um, in, in being interesting at the very least. So uh, four movies, uh, all with, uh, well, I wouldn't recommend Gemini Man, but we have a few other good movies <laughs> uh, here in this week's uh, reviews. And, and, and we look forward to this next weekend, the October 18th release date. Uh, I know I'm seeing Zombieland this weekend, Double Tap, uh, with our good buddy Woody Harrelson, who we talked about today. Uh, anything else that you're you're looking out for this weekend? Uh, yeah, definitely seeing that. Uh, of course, seeing Jay and Silent Bob. I don't know what else, though. I don't know what else is going to be coming around here, so we'll see. So we roll on, and we're almost to the end of the show. Uh, but before we go, we got to give you one more thing. But I'm down to one more, one more thing. I'm going to go first here, and... Uh, my one more thing comes from Saturday Night Live and this past weekend's David Harbour episode. Um, there, there was a, a video, uh, a digital short that they did that I thought was really funny. Uh, basically, it was a parody of Joker, uh, specifically the Joker trailer. And instead of focusing around the Joker, they focus around Oscar the Grouch from Sesame Street. And it's a really interesting uh, parody trailer that I thought was very funny. It was one of my favorite things I saw on Saturday Night Live. So uh, I'm going to link to that in the description box. Highly, highly recommend checking out the Grouch trailer. I was very asleep during that. Um, <laughs> one of the reasons I was very asleep, though, and uh, this one you can relate to as well, uh, is that I uh, had almost died from hot sauce. <laughs> and- oh, my God. Yes, I forgot. I can't believe I forgot we did that. Yeah, so uh, we talked about before, we, we, we recommended the um, uh, Shia LaBeouf Hot Ones uh, for one more thing. And Hot Ones, for those who don't know, is a YouTube show where they uh, a guy interviews, same guy interviews a celebrity, and they eat a bunch of really hot hot sauces, and the hot sauces get in- incrementally hotter 
each time they uh, eat a new wing. And we had uh, a hot, hot ones, hot sauce. That's called the last dab, which on the show, the last dab is they take the hottest hot sauce and put an extra dab on it and eat it. So this was like one of those, like the hottest hot sauce over like a million on the Scoville level. And uh, we took about, I took two bites, I think of, of the chicken strip I had and with, with the hot sauce on it. And, you know, both of us were trying to be kind of manly with it. And, uh, you know, that only lasted for a little bit. <laughs> and we had probably half a gallon of milk, a bunch of ice cream, and it still took like 30 to 45 minutes for it to go down. And even then, I was laying there at night and I could feel the the spice slowly go down my, my esophagus. <laughs> <laughs> and the next morning um you know let, let's just say that that uh you know it 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 continued to go further down and oh my goodness gracious oh that's nasty <laughs> i i had to uh stop on the way home from my drive to uh to uh to to relieve some of that hotness we'll say <laughs> jesus and uh you know it's I, I'm not. I'm pretty good with with spicy food for the most part, but that was unlike anything I've ever had in my mouth. <laughs> this was blind pain. Like you watch, <laughs> you watch uh, hot ones, and you see the freak out, and you think it's hilarious. I'm never gonna laugh at one of those ever again because mm-hmm. I know exactly what they're. It's a it's a like a lizard brain carnal uh, response that your body can't control uh, when you have something that fucking hot in your mouth. Yeah, it's it's very tough. So. If if anyone ever offers you hot ones hot sauce that's at like the top level, um, either punch them in the face or like fake that you ate it because it's it's <laughs> it's rough. Yeah, and don't touch your eyes or your butt <laughs> or your butt for that matter. <laughs> so we got uh, Oscar the Grouch and some incredibly hot sauce this week and one more thing. But I'm down to one more. One that's gonna do it for episode 116 of the soco show don't forget to subscribe wherever it is you may be listening so you get new episodes dropped every thursday and of course new episodes of the sports show dropped every friday now that we're back on our normal schedule um if you'd like to uh contribute to the show uh, like our good buddy mike you can do so on our anchor.fm slash the dash soco dash show page uh, click there, you'll see the contribution button near the top. Uh, you can also link to all the different podcast providers that we are available on from that page. You can also leave us uh, voice messages on there as well. So hit that one, leave us a voice message. We might play your your voice on the SoCo show in a future episode. We'd love to see a couple of those roll in. Uh, and of course, if you want to communicate with us, do it on Twitter or Facebook at SoCo Show Pod. For now, though, uh, of course, thanks to all of our uh, all of our listeners, all of our supporters. Uh, if you're unable to to use the support link on the anchor page, uh, just keep clicking on this episode. Uh, we uh, we have uh, a couple ads now, so uh, that's a great way to support the show, either by listening yourself or by sharing us with a friend. Uh, as those listens pile up, uh, the show benefits. So we certainly thank you guys for your patronage there. Uh, don't forget the YouTubes at Jared Buckendall. Our good buddy over there is reviewing all of the movies that we've talked about and more. Uh, he's been putting a lot of stuff out lately, so make sure you get over there, uh, like his stuff, and hit his Patreon page, uh, which you can find a link to in the description box as well. 
So that's going to do it for this week. Uh, of course, we will be back in seven days with episode 117. We'll be talking Big Mouth. We'll be talking Zombieland and probably a whole lot more. Uh, but until then, he is the Soho Seth Ott. I am the co-host, Cody Michael, and we will see you next week. Bye. Bye.